This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Thank you. We give you praise, we give you glory. Thank you for life. Uh, Lord, without life, whatever it is we're complaining about, we can't complain about. Without life, whatever it is we're celebrating, we cannot celebrate. So we thank you for the gift of life. We say accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Lord, as we look into your word of life this morning, Daddy, please speak to us. Holy Spirit, teach us in the name of Jesus. At the end of it all, let the name of Jesus alone be exalted and all men drawn unto him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today, by the special grace of God, we're going to wrap up this sermon series that we have started that we called Get Smart. Uh, please open your Bibles with me. If you have your app, uh, the church app, the sermon notes is already on the app. Uh, but if not, uh, just read along with me. First John chapter 4. I'm going I'm to read from verse 1 through 4. First John chapter 4 from verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the Spirit of Antichrist. I will talk about the Spirit of Antichrist before. Uh, which you heard is coming into the world, and watch this, and indeed is already in the world. Verse 4. But you belong to God. Can we say that together? Can you personalize it? But I belong to God. It says, you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. There is no doubt in my mind, and I, there's a lot of people that will agree with me on this, that we live in the end times. We live in the last days. If you please pull up uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 from 1 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1 through 5. Listen to this. He said, and you know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult times. Watch the things he lists that will happen and will be observed in the last days. He said, for people will only love themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Isn't that what we see today? Nothing is sacred anymore. Amen? Disobedience to parents is the order of the day. 
They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. If it feels good, do it. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Verse 4. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than love God. Verse 5. They will act religious. <laughs> I'm sure we all can, you are thinking in your mind, some people that you know. Not you, but some people that you know. He said, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that make them godly. Stay away from people like that, is what the scripture is saying. I, I, I believe God is giving us a warning today and a reminder of some of the things that are already written. When these things were written, it seems so far away, but we live in those times now. It's not so far away any longer. Uh, a few weeks ago, I said to us that your devotion to God is a personal choice. Your devotion to God is not determined by the government. Your devotion to God is not determined by the pandemic. Your devotion to God is not determined by any of such things. It is a personal decision that you make whether or not to work with God. The faith that has been handed to us, people of God, is a very costly one. The people that endured to ensure that that faith, there's continuity in that faith, they paid a great price for it. It, it didn't come cheap to them. Many of them were imprisoned. Remember Peter and John, John uh, Acts chapter 3, on their way to the synagogue, they healed a man in the name of Jesus, and for that they were thrown in jail. <laughs> Praise the Lord. People paid very dearly for this. In Acts chapter 12, you see Peter back in prison. In Acts chapter 16, you see Peter and Silas, in, uh, no, Paul and Silas in prison. And Paul eventually died in prison. Amen. The faith that has been passed on to us is a very costly one. And I don't want us to treat it as though it's not a big deal. For me to say that I'm born again, I'm a child of God, I belong to God, is a big deal. It's a big deal. For one, Jesus paid the ultimate price for it. He died for you and I to be saved. And the people he handed over to, the disciples, the disciples, many of them, in fact, all but one, died for this gospel that we preached, that we preached today. I, I hate to tell you an incomplete story, and I, I just didn't get, I didn't have enough time to research this. Uh, it, it's in one of the sermons I preached many, many, it's, it's been a while, don't let me say many, many years ago, for a long time. So I didn't have time to go back and check. But there's a story of a man, uh, a Caucasian man, that got saved. He accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior during the time of slavery. And he was on one of those islands that is controlled by the UK, by England. And once he got saved, he felt compelled to preach the gospel. So he, he was just excited to tell everybody 
what God has done for him. So he went to preach to the slaves. They said, no, 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 no. You can preach to everybody, but you can't preach to the slaves. He said, you have to be a slave to preach to a slave. You know what he said? He said, I'd rather be a slave then. He gave up his freedom. He told them, he said, I will sign any petition, send it to the king of England, and let him know that I, as a free man, I choose to become a slave because I want to preach Christ. The heart of the king was moved. And he said, give him permission. True life story. Give him permission, let him preach to the slaves. The faith we have is not a cheap faith. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. There's a lot of blood that has been shed to ensure that this, this faith got to you and I. So I want us to take it very seriously. The warning today is, it says, do not believe everyone. Don't believe everyone who claims to be speaking by the Spirit because there are many wolves in sheep's clothing today. I, 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 because of time, I'm going to jump. Uh, if you look at verse 4, verse 4, I love verse 4. It said, but you belong to God. Somebody say, I belong to God. Belong. You, you need to stop and think about that. It's talking about ownership. What he's saying is God owns me. Think about the stuff you own. In fact, the other day we went to, uh, I believe it was Best Buy, Best Buy by La Cantera, you know, and there was one of those, uh, I don't know what they call them. It's, it has three wheels. It's not a car, it's not a bike, but one of those things. It's open, you know, they, they rent them up the street here. You know, it was part, open. And the thing was talking. You, you don't have to move close to it. He said, back off, or something like that. Okay, he said, back off. This uh, vehicle is secured. Back off. Somebody values that thing. Put security system on it. And didn't want, he didn't want to leave it to chance that you would think maybe it's secured. He even did an audio recording to go with it. This vehicle is secured. Think about the stuff you own. Why do you lock your home? Amen? Why do you lock your car? You secure those things that you own so they don't get stolen. The Bible says, I belong to God. You belong to God. That is huge. That is significant. That is very important. You belong to God. I belong to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. It says, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, listen to this, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. The king of kings, the creator of the universe lives in me. Let that sink in. He lives in you. He lives in me. That is huge. That is huge. First, uh, uh, First John chapter 2 verse 1, it says we are children of God. First John chapter 3 verse 1 says exactly the same thing in a different way. We are children of God. We belong to God. We belong to God. God owns us and God will defend and protect us. In the name of Jesus. It's important that we know that. Listen to me. 
our success in our work with Christ and our work for Christ depends on us understanding what is freely given unto us. The stuff we've been talking about, talking about get smart, is applicable both to your work with God and to your work in the marketplace. Amen? We have said SMART is an acronym. The S, we said the S is what? Sensitivity, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And the M is what? Measured. I was talking to someone after service. I said, so what did you learn today? So he told me about sensitivity, gave me a good expose. And then the M, he said measured. I said, okay, so tell me about that. He said it has to be measurable. <laughs> I said, no. I must, not, I, I must not have done a good job. <laughs> you know, the word measured means to have self-control. To be restrained is what it means to be measured. When you say you, it's a measured response, it means it's a restrained response. So when I say measured, it means you have to be, you have to have self-control. You cannot respond and react to things just because you are mad. In fact, one of the things that I do for me personally is when I'm upset, I don't talk about issues. Because if I address an issue with you when I'm upset, you're going to walk away from there mad at the way it was said instead of the real matter that was discussed. Amen? So that's what it means to be measured. And if you have the church app, you can, you can read all of this. Uh, you, and you can listen to the pod, uh, podcast as well. But the one example I want to remind you of is the example of David when it comes to being measured and having self-control. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, David and his men, after a war campaign, came back home and all their wives and their children and all their stuff were gone. And everybody was mad. They were weeping and weeping and weeping until they had no strength in them. Until a point when the mighty men of David, these were people, remember, when they started with him, the Bible called them losers. They saw a bunch of vagabonds. They followed him and he took them in. Now he's raised them, they're comfortable, and there's a crisis. And what they could think about was stoning David. You know, if you are not careful, you will not... <laughs> You will not respond well in that kind of situation. But David was measured. He was measured. He went to God in prayer to seek the face of God. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. Friends, don't react to situation in anger. It will get you nowhere. Remember Moses. Moses did not make it to the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. You know why? He was not measured. Anger got the best of him. And then we talked about being articulate. We talked about being articulate. And I kind of rushed over this. I said to be articulate means to have the ability to speak well, speak fluently, and speak coherently. It's two parts to it. You know, there's the fluency, and then there's the coherence. Amen. Because you might have a great idea, an idea that can change the world. If you cannot communicate it very well, nobody's going to listen to you. 
Just, oh, it just goes on and on rambling. You know, and people really don't have time. You know, while they are sitting with you, especially, you know, important rich people, in quotes, <laughs> when you are with them, you only have but a few moments to grab their attention. If you are not able to tell your story in a way and manner within that short period to deliver the message, you will lose them. We saw, there are great orators, examples for us in the Bible. Joseph was one. Daniel was one. Right? Nehemiah was one. And Paul certainly was one. Amen? Paul, Paul wrote majority of the New Testament. And most, if not all of the things we know about our salvation was revealed to Paul and Paul documented. And that is how we know what our day-to-day, step-by-step of this salvation is supposed to be. So, being articulate is a very, very important thing for you and I. i tell you a quick story here. There's a friend of mine. Some of you will remember him, Pastor Leo. He's not been here in a while. Pastor Leo, I mean, since he graduated from college, has never worked secular job. He's always been preaching. You know, preached in Nigeria for many years, then came to the United States of America. And then he started his ministry, and things were, I mean, the times he came here, we had awesome time with him. So he told me he went to a place to preach, and after he was done preaching, if you know Pastor Leo, very energetic. He's not, you know, I'm, I'm very gentle. Very energetic. So he said, by the time he was done, there's this lady that came to him and said, ah, man, man of God, that was awesome, whatever, whatever, whatever. He said, praise God. So finally he asked the lady, he said, so which part of the sermon touched you? He said, I really didn't understand anything you were saying, but I love all the gyration and all the gymnastics. He said, that, that's, that's what she was impressed by. <laughs> he said, God, God punished the devil. You know what he did? he decided to get a job at a car dealership. He said, if I can sell cars, then I can win souls for Christ. So he went to the dealership and learned how to speak to people. He, he, he learned it. So don't say it doesn't matter, you know, all of these things, all of, you don't need to speak for now. What's the point of speaking if you are not communicating? Just think about it. If people cannot understand you, why open your mouth to say anything at all? So for me, as a public figure, it's important to me that both of those things I'm still learning. I'm still learning to be fluent so that when I speak, anybody that speaks English should be able to understand what I'm saying. I shouldn't have such a heavy thickness in the middle of my speeches that they are wondering what I'm talking about. And <laughs> thank God you know me now. Back in the day, when we're still up the street, there were a couple of ladies, uh, <laughs> after service, they would call me, so, Pastor, I was following you, but I lost you around here. Because, because when I get excited, you know, I speak so fast. <laughs> and then I forget being fluent and being clear. You know, I just get excited. You know, so I've learned over the years that the value of me speaking is communication. It's communication. So very important. 
Very important. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4, Isaiah 50 verse 4, it says, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to those who are weary. So I found out that the ability to speak can be a gift, but it can also be learned. Yes? It's a gift. Some people, they can convince anybody effortlessly, right? It's a gift, but you can also learn it. How do I know? Because when God called Moses, God, Moses told God, he said, I can't speak. But by the time you get to Acts chapter 7, when he's talking about Moses, he's talking about the great wisdom and the great speech of, of Moses. So it means over time, Moses learned it. And it got better. You will get better too in Jesus' name. So the R, we're going to talk about the R and the T today. And then we will close. The R stands for resilience. Somebody say resilience. I put a, a, a few uh, synonyms there to help us with the understanding of that word. To be resilient means to be pliable. To be tough and to be strong. Resilience requires courage and it requires boldness. Because when the going gets tough, it's easy to give up. You know, you can say all the, all the cliches, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Wait until you get there. When the rubber meets the road, that's when we know what you will do. So it's important to understand that for you to be smart, for you to get wiser, for you to be successful in life, you need resilience. You need resilience. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1, Proverbs 28, verse 1, it says the righteous is as bold as the lion. The wicked run away when no one is chasing them. But the godly are as bold as lions. Hallelujah. There is something about you and I that we have not yet understood or realized. I have learned by experience that I am stronger than I believe myself to be strong. I have learned by experience that there is so much more I can do than what I have told myself that I can do. Do you know you, me, we are our own worst enemies? Once you convince yourself, you tell yourself, I cannot do it, <laughs> nothing can make you do it. That is self-defeating attitude. You say, it's too much. It's too much. Everybody is failing. What I tell people is, my name is Adekoye Sonny. I am not everybody. You know, so everybody can fail, but my case is different. Hallelujah. It may not work out for everybody, but my name is Adekoye Sonny. My case is different. I praise the Lord. So it is important that we all understand that. And the Bible tells us, watch this. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Ephesians 6, 10 and 11. It says, a final word. So he's been talking to them, he's written to them, and he's saying, in conclusion, a final word, be strong 
in the Lord and in his mighty power. He's saying there's a strength that is in God. You need to focus on that and not on your weakness. The Bible says, let the weak say what? I am strong. Let the weak say I'm strong. He said, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Friends, you are stronger than you have believed. You are better than you understand. You are more powerful than you realize. Because God in you, the Bible says Christ in us is what? The hope of glory. I have a hope that nothing in this world can stop. God has set me on a course in my destiny that nothing in this world can change it. Only myself. The moment I tell myself I cannot do it, then you can consider it impossible. But as long as God has said it, God has said, I can, I believe God that I can, I walk in that strength. I walk in the power of that, and I walk with God. Praise the Lord. When I talk about resilience and strength here, I want you to understand me very clearly. I'm not talking about being reckless. You know, because somebody will say, ah, Pastor, say, ah, I can do everything, it doesn't matter, you know, and it, in the... Okay, let's come back. Do you know, how many of us watch National Geographic? It's, it's good, you know, Animal Channel, all of those things. You know, it's good for relaxation to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> and I think maybe it's because of my background too, you know, so I, I like to watch those things. But here's what I've learned. I've learned that the lion is called what? The king of the jungle. But do you know, that the lion is not the strongest animal in the jungle. In fact, lions, if, if they are going to eat good meal that is going to fill them up, they, they need to kill like a buffalo. <laughs> and buffaloes are not easy to kill. In fact, I saw a, a few of those uh, National Geographic things, you know, where the, the female lions tried to bring down a buffalo. They were, they, they were not successful. You need a male lion to pull down a, a, a buffalo. But do you know that even the male lion will not go attack a herd of buffaloes or a buffalo by himself? It's teamwork. They apply wisdom. King of the jungle, king of the jungle, they are fearless, but they know their limits. Oh, praise the God, praise the Lord. You know, and along the banks of the river where you have hippos, <laughs> I don't like saying that word. So I just stop at hippo. <laughs> the first time I said it in church, everybody was looking at me like, what's the pastor talking about? <laughs> then my wife corrected me at home. She said this, hippopotamus, hippo, hippo, hippopotamus, hippopotamus. <laughs> I, I said, H-I-P for the hip." P-O, P-O, and T-A-N-U-S for the Ah, no, but not here. If you say that here, <laughs> you see, <laughs> Pastor Cole and uh, Pastor Michel, they're like, what are they talking about? <laughs> Hippopotamus. Hippopotamus. That's, that's how it is said here. Hippopotamus. <laughs> you know, so, the lions, they know they know their boundaries. 
carefully. Everybody's marking territory. So when I talk about being strong and being resilient, I'm not saying take unnecessary risks. I'm not saying endanger yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. But the things that God has promised you and I, know that you got it by the grace of God. And no devil in hell can stop you from achieving that which God has called you on to. Listen to this. All these men that we read about were ordinary people. Moses, David, Paul. They, they were ordinary men that God used. People like you and I. And once they surrendered themselves and God was able to take over, then they became extraordinary. May you yield yourself to the Lord that he may use you for his glory. Listen, it says, be strong in the Lord and in the mighty power and in his mighty power. Yes? What you must know is the power he's talking about here is not some kind of abstract power. You know, when the Bible was written, it was not written in uh, chapters and verses and those kind of stuff, right? It's for our comprehension that was done, right? When you go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and the 20th verse, it tells us that that power is already at work within us. So the power that he's talking about is saying be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power is not a power you're looking for. It's a power that is already in you. You see that? He said, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power that is what? At work within us. That power is already at work within you. It's at work within me. It is just me exercising what I already have. I told you about Daniel. Daniel never interpreted any dream for anybody. No. Not to talk of telling somebody the dream that they did not reveal to him. But once the situation arose, he knew in whom he has believed. That's why he can say later on that, look, those that know their God, they will be strong and they will do exploits. Friends, I want you to seek more to know God than to seek. You are, you are praying for power. And the scripture says, the power is already at work in you. It means you have neglected what is in you and you are looking for what is not lost. You neglect what is in you and you are seeking what is not lost. You're looking everywhere for it. I need power. I need power. I need power. And God is saying, I have given you power. What are you talking about? The Bible says God sits on his throne in heaven and he laughs. Have you ever considered what might be making him laugh? <laughs> Our foolishness for the most part. When we are asking him for what we already have, it's like me asking, give me a microphone. I need a microphone. What's wrong with you, Pastor? We can hear you loud and clear. If you add any microphone to it, you are just going to bust our eardrums. You see, she's laughing. That's how God laughs at us. Because you already have what you're asking for. You have it. You have the power. Use it. Use it for his glory. Use it for his praise. In the name of Jesus. I want us to wrap it up. Please pardon me. Five minutes will be out of here. I'll be done with this. The fifth one is being teachable. S, be sensitive. M, be measured. 
A, be articulate. I'm giving you recipe for success in life. Amen? R, be resilient. And T, be teachable. Be teachable. Be comfortable in your own skin. Know that you don't know everything. You know, it's, it's a, that self-awareness, it will help you a great deal in life. So you will not be resisting every time somebody is telling you something different from what you are comfortable with or what you have always known. Amen? Be teachable. Be teachable. Know that you don't know everything. I, I don't know everything. I'm open to suggestions. If it doesn't jive with my spirit, then I say, well, I hear you. I hear you. But probably not now. Right? Probably not now. You know, let me, give me time. Let me pray over it. Be teachable. Be open. Be open. Moses admitted to himself, I cannot speak. There are many people that cannot speak today, but they don't know they cannot speak. In fact, they are always struggling for the microphone. And once they grab the microphone, oh man, here I go again. And half the stuff he's saying, we don't know what he's saying. Praise the Lord. That self-awareness is very, very important. Know what you can do and what you cannot do. Know what you're good at and what you're not good at. And wherever you have deficiency, seek to get help. I am still getting, I still take courses on how to speak, how to facilitate meetings, how to do those kind of things. Because that's what I do in my day-to-day living. You know, sometimes you attend a meeting and you just hear some people, they are just rambling, and then you are asking yourself, is there a question here? Have you ever been around such people? You say, I have a question. You say, yeah, go ahead. And then they begin, and then by the time they are done, you ask, so what's the question? When it comes to being articulate, you have to be what? One, fluent, two, Parent. And it takes practice. It takes learning. It takes learning. Listen. Apprenticeship idea has been around a long time. You look through the scriptures, you see uh, Eli and Samuel, you see Elijah and Elisha. Jesus had 12 disciples that he mentored for three and a half years before he released them. My question to you this morning, very simple. Who is discipling you? Who is your teacher? Who is your mentor? Paul says something, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. Say, for even if you have, if you if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. We see Paul talked about Timothy, talked about Titus, talked about Onesimus and a bunch of guys like that that he called his sons in the faith. Who is pouring into you? We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.